0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the October 30th, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I'm your host, Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim, Josie, and not only is it four days until we take our country back, it's also one day until Halloween, which, let me tell you, isn't going to be much this year, or any year for me, really. I I don't really do Halloween, or or Christmas, for that matter, or Thanksgiving. I mean, if other family members are doing something, I'll, I'll join in. But no, typically I I don't do anything big for it. Why? There's not really much of a purpose. Maybe I'm just a little too cynical, okay? But I I never got it. Like, if I want to watch a scary movie, I can do that right now. I I can stop recording and go watch a horror movie. And you know what? It will probably be mildly amusing. Uh... (laughs) But anyway, I, I should be careful. I should probably put something outside my door, mind you. Uh, so the spirits don't ruin my harvest. But hey, besides that, I'm not doing much. Anyway, here's a story from BuzzFeed. Trump and Republican Sanders are losing votes due to coronavirus death. a new study says. Surprise, <gasps> Pikachu, got JPEG! Oh my god! <laughs> you know I just can't believe it oh no guys wouldn't it be kind of great if Trump loses exactly and I mean exactly by the margin of voters who would have voted for him uh, but they died of COVID no that wouldn't be funny what's wrong with you like seriously dude that, that's just harsh like wow Wow, I don't like the guy, but really, really, that—that's just mean. Uh, a new study has found that in states while rising COVID nineteen deaths, voter support for Trump and Republican Sanders has dropped by margins big enough to swing some tight races. States with higher coronavirus death rates may see declining voter support for President Donald Trump and other Republican candidates, possibly by margins long enough to swing tight elections, a new study has found. so it's not it's not that the voters are all dying off yet. Yeah, we're going to keep reading this. We're going to keep reading this for a little bit. Let's see what it is. Less than a week away from the election that many view as a referendum on the White House's handling of the pandemic. Coronavirus cases are now rising in nearly every U.S. state, hospitalizations are spiking, and there are worrying signs that deaths are increasing again. A new study, which pulled hundreds of thousands of Americans across the country, found that when a state's COVID-19 death rate doubled within a month's time, Trump approval rating dropped by 0.5%. Now That may not sound like a lot, but half a point can actually make or break an election. Like, it can actually do a lot. I mean, what was it, 80,000 voters in three states aside the fate of the 2016 election? Yeah, 0.5% of this population, of the U.S. population, we have about 330 million people. Let's see, about 165 million would be 50%. So that'd be, I think, about 165,000 people that's like, that's like 2.5 times, closer to 2.75 uh, times the margin of people that caused Trump to win in 2016. The decline in support reported in the Journal of Science Advances on Friday mirrored the effects of the casualties of the Korean War, Vietnam War, and Iraq War had on President's approval ratings with voters. Led by political scientist Christopher Warsh- Warshaw of George Washington University the research also asked whether people changed the candidate they were planning to vote for. Across states, every monthly doubling of the coronavirus death rate caused a 0.37% drop in turn in the number of people who said they planned to vote for Trump. The study found the drop in support for Republican senators was even steeper at 0.8%. Well, 0.79%, but uh, we're, we're rounding today. I'm feeling like rounding. Um now, especially in tight races, that is really big, okay? Especially in election, and it looks like Trump will have to pull out a miracle to win. Because remember, guys, 2016 was like the best case scenario. There were four major swing states, if I'm not mistaken, and he won like three of them. You guys remember that? He could, he had the best case scenario in 2016 when he got in. 303 electoral vote. I think it was about 303. Yeah, I think it was about that amount. Um, now, mind you, mind you, he's gonna have to pull that off exactly again, and it looks like that's not happening. He might pull off significant, a few less than that. We might have, like, he wins with 280 electoral votes or something. But even that's looking less and less and less likely. Uh, by the way, I've been checking 538's interactive map each day, um, now, I think it was last week when I checked, and I checked it every day for a few weeks before then, it was typically, Biden had about an 87% chance, Trump had a 12% chance. Okay, now, that still means Trump couldn't win, that's still a 1-8 chance, that's still a chance. Okay, so you still need to go out there and vote against him uh, as much as possible. Yesterday, it went down to Trump to an 11% chance. Now it's at 10%. Uh the average electoral votes it looks like he's going to get you guys ready for this is 190. Now for comparison, John McCain in 2008 got 173. Okay? When Barack Obama won in an absolute landslide with 365 electoral votes. Now, that is in my mind a genuine mandate, okay? And it is only getting wider and wider uh, from here. Normally, normally, the farther out we are or the closer we are to the election, the more narrow things become as people become more politically active, people become more politically encouraged. Uh, here, it seems like the more people learn about Donald Trump the more everyone absolutely hates him. I mean, just, wow. Like, here, here is an idea. Here is just a point of comparison. Uh, 538 also has a general simulation for the best-case scenario for each candidate. In Biden's best-case scenario, he gets 481 electoral votes, and that's probably not going to happen. Probably not going to be that big of a landslide. Okay? I do, however, think there is a good chance he'll be within the 300s. I think, in fact, he will get. He might even break 350. He actually might break 350. Now, I'm not going to say for sure whether or not he'll break 350, but I think he will. I genuinely think he has a good chance of doing that. And by the way, it'd be funny because Republicans are clearly trying to do what they did in 2000. You know, pick a few different states. And just hope against hope that they're close enough so they can do this lengthy Supreme Court process. And they didn't just do that with Florida, by the way. There were a few other states they tried that with. Uh, they also tried in 2000 to doing the same thing with Pennsylvania, whose governor at the time was Tom Rich, who later became the first head of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and there were a few other ones that... Gore had clearly won, but they were still having governors go on CNN calling it too close to call. No, no, it it clearly wasn't. It just clearly wasn't. Um, They're clearly trying to do the same thing right now, and that worked against Al Gore, in my opinion, because Al Gore had, first off, he just had this massive hate campaign thrown against him by the Republican Party, and he in general just wasn't all that popular. Like, no offense to Al Gore, I I like him well enough, he's a good guy, you know, he he educated us all about global warming back in the day. Uh, (laughs) But at the same time, like, no one was really getting excited for him, in large part because the incumbent president was Bill Clinton, and Clinton just had a great speaking style, Al Gore really didn't, he was a little wobbly, he was rude, and... And, you know, pe- people people were fine if he won, but they didn't really like it. And how is he really that different from George Bush and all that? And just all that. You know, there's, there's no... I, I noticed this time around um, that there's no real both sides are the same thought like there was last time. Like there also was in 2000. There was this whole thing about, ah, how are Bush and Gore are really different? You need to vote Nader or you need to vote Buchanan, or you need to vote Brown, um, and so on, and so on, and so on. Uh, However, we aren't really seeing it this time around. Now, with that said, Joe Jogson, the Libertarian candidate, is doing spectacular right now for a third party. I think she might actually break the 5% threshold. However, that's not going to be enough to really swing the election. That's just a handful of people who didn't vote last time in my opinion, and there were still a lot of people who didn't vote last time. Half the country didn't vote last time. But there's still a large enough amount who didn't vote last time that it is worth um, thinking about. I think this election is going to have some of the highest turnout we've ever seen. I also want to make that clear. I think this election is going to have uh, some of the absolute highest turnout we've ever seen. But back to what I was talking about two topics ago. Republicans are clearly trying to do what they were doing in 2000 with um, a few different states right now. One of the big ones is, again, Pennsylvania. Okay, they're trying to say Biden's not going to win Pennsylvania. What are you, silly? Despite the fact Pennsylvania almost always votes Democrat, has voted Democrat consistently for decades outside of 2016, and the fact that Pennsylvania is actually really fond of Joe Biden as a person, and they do really like him. and I would absolutely love it. And they keep doing this thing, by the way, with the mail-ins. Like, oh, you know, we have to... The mail-ins are going to be how Biden steals it. And, oh, we may not know the full results on election night and all that. I would absolutely love it if Biden won before we even knew all the results. Well, we he would have to unless there was, like, a dead tie. And there's probably not going to be. Uh But I would absolutely love it if, even in spite of that, even in spite of all the mail in ballots, Biden still gets a 270. Because there are only a few states where that's really even going to be an issue, by the way. Um, But back to the best case scenario Biden's best case scenario right now is 481 to 57. Trump's best case scenario is 322 to 216. Now, that's still impressive. He'd still be president, whatever that's worth. But it wouldn't be this, like, Gigantic landslide, okay? Like, um, it would be if Biden's best case scenario happened. I mean, just, oh my god, wow. Uh, well, well, I genuinely do think, I, I really do, I genuinely do strongly think okay, that Joe Biden is going to win this election. Now, I'm not going to say for absolute certainty that Joe Biden, because I made that mistake in 2016. I, My boyfriend, MapThinker, um, aka 216Thinker, on Twitter, said that he thinks Trump has about a one-third chance of getting re-election. I'd say it's 10%, because that's what this is saying. <laughs> you know, that's 15% lower than Trump had in 2016, and he just. And he just barely squeaked out in 2016. Okay? And even the states that, by the way, like, Trump was doing great. And he used to have, I think it was about a 65% chance in Ohio, and now it's a 55% chance. He's, done, he's doing a little better in Iowa. 54, used to be 50. But he's not gaining support. Donald Trump is one of those people, he doesn't gain support, he just loses it. Okay, he won in 2016. He was this bombastic anti-establishment figure. We've had this president, and now his bombastic rantings, look like um, pink when he's on that drugged-up trip in the wall and thinks he's a fascist. Like, that's what bombastic rantings look like from a president. And I'm not saying Donald Trump is a fascist. I'm just saying that Somebody tried to wake him up from a drug-induced coma with more drugs, and now he's on a podium screaming to throw people up against the wall. I completely forgot what we were even talking about. Anyway, uh, here's something from the Washington Post. Donald Trump Jr. said COVID-19 deaths are at almost nothing. The virus killed more than 1,000 Americans the same day. Yes, uh, the president's failed son... And also, mean bank teller Donald Trump Jr. Uh, decided that he would go on Laura Ingram, which is just a bad idea in general. Like, don't go on Laura Ingram. Ever. Ever. I don't care if you're invited on or not. I don't care if you crash into it and you think it would be funny. Never, ever go on Laura Ingram. It's just a bad idea. Donald Trump Jr. declared Thursday night the coronavirus tests had dropped to almost nothing, questioning the seriousness of the pandemic on a record-breaking day for new cases in which more than 1,000 Americans died of the virus. Speaking of Fox News host Laura Ingraham, Trump Jr. pointed to data from the Center of Disease Control and Prevention that he suggests showed a declining coronavirus death rate. Well, ain't that great? Ain't that great? You know, (laughs) this is actively worse. We're going to actually, let's read the Trump Jr. quote real quick before we actually break this down. Uh, I went through the CDC data. Yes, Donald Trump Jr. purposely went through or handpicked the CDC data. Uh, Yeah, he just with his own bare hands looked through all these papers that determined the death rate of COVID. Most don't know that. Because I kept hearing about new infections, but I was like, why aren't they talking about deaths? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, Trump Jr. said. Oh, because the number is almost nothing. Because we've gotten control of this thing, we understand how it works. They have the therapeutics to be able to deal with this. Now, there are a number of issues with this. The first one being is that death rate, specifically, mortality rate, is not the reason why COVID-19 is so dangerous. Yes, it does have a lower death rate than the seasonal flu, or than swine flu, or than a few other illnesses. However, COVID is much more contagious. And this is why people say, well, you don't wear a mask during flu season. Well, that's because... Even if I have the flu and it's incubating in me, and by the way, the flu doesn't incubate for nearly as long as COVID does, might I add. Um, The fact is, I am not going to get someone else sick by merely talking to them. Okay? I'm not. I'm not. In the case of the flu, I'm not going to. In the case of swine flu, I'm not going to. In the case of basically every other contagious illness under the sun, I am not going to. COVID is just one of the worst ones out there. It's one of the few that have asymptomatic spread as well, might I add. Um, and again, there are a few others that do. It's just also none of them are nearly as contagious. And, and they've been making this point about death rates, death rates. The death rate is so unbelievably low. Yeah, it is. It is, don't get me wrong. It is incredibly low. But that doesn't mean anything when it's spreading all around you. You know, when everything, or when everyone around you has it, yeah, eventually someone's going to die from it. Okay? And if it spreads really easily, yeah, you want to be careful. Okay? You do, you do. Now, With that said, I also want to ask, how have we not had a prosperity ahead moment yet? How have we not had a what depression moment yet? How have we not had a wear a sweater moment yet from this administration? The answer is we've had several of them. It's just nobody is even remotely interested in pointing them out. This should be played all across the mainstream media. This should have been on bumper stickers. Okay, this should be like the no new taxes meme or wear a sweater. Like, that's how infamous this statement should be. 47%. You you probably, if you understand anything about politics, know the statements I'm referring to, even though all I did was hint at what was said by by these people at some point, okay? That's how infamous a lot of these statements were. We've had several of them. We've had several statements that if Biden were more competent, he would be running these in ads nonstop. Just a combination of Trump saying it's a hoax. You guys remember that one? Oh, he actually meant the politicization of it was a hoax. What the fuck does that even mean? Can anyone actually tell me what the fuck does the politicization of this is a hoax? That doesn't mean anything. Oh my God. No, no, that doesn't mean anything. And yet we're supposed to treat it. Yeah, that's an okay response. That's an okay response. He was either calling in contagious illness a hoax Or he was saying an incoherent statement while talking about it. I remember I had somebody say that the video of him calling it a hoax when he said this is their new hoax in reference to COVID. I'm sorry, in reference to COVID being political, I guess. uh, Were beautifully edited. Beautifully edited? Really? It takes that much effort? To, and these are the same people, by the way, who will defend to the death much more heavily edited videos, and I mean edited in the exact same way, by the way, it was just cut down slightly, the overall statements are the exact same, of things like Planned Parenthood employees selling fetal body parts. Remember that scandal when it was like a six, seven hour conversation in a 30 minute video you know, that one, that one was edited down. And it, we know what, even the people who denied it didn't say it was particularly beautifully edited. They just said, no, no, it was edited. Um, and I don't know if I can trust it. I, I really don't. I mean, seriously. Seriously, people. Remember in March when Devin Nunes called it a great time to be around family? I forget when Rush Limbaugh said it, but I know for a fact he I think it was February. he said it it was the common cold folks. I absolutely loved the way he said that, by the way. I uh, loved in the same way. I love everything Rush Limbaugh does, which is in a separate room, preferably behind a two-way mirror where or a one way mirror where he cannot see or hear me, but I can see and hear him. And I'm laughing hysterically watching a guy jump around a monkey cage for three hours. (laughs) Or didn't, there are so many examples of this. So many examples of if this party were more competent. Now, mind you, it looks like Biden is going to win anyway. We just broke it down last segment. If Biden were running a much more attack dog campaign, he would be, and mind you, I don't know if he really could and not ruin his friendly old man image, but still, he would be getting like 400 electoral votes, okay? He should be running a campaign like what FDR did in 1932, where he's just saying, guys, this current administration sucks, I can do better, which is, to be fair, a lot of what he has been doing. You know, you, you need to be willing to go aggressive. And this stuff like this deserves aggression. It really does. I want a Biden campaign ad or a Lincoln Project ad or somebody to make an ad. It can be however long you want. And it's just 10 minutes of comments like this. Seriously. Or you remember those Daily Show segments uh, from months and months ago, Heroes of the Pandemic. And it documents things like Tommy Laren saying that she's more concerned about stepping on a used heroin needle than she is about getting COVID. Sorry, I, I cannot talk about Tommy Laren without sounding as obnoxious as humanly possible. It's just something about her. Or Matt, you tease, and yes, it is how it's pronounced, fight me, wearing a gas mask. You know, we need more of that. This is another one to add to the pile. This is another one. thousand people died. Donald Trump here doesn't see the big deal. Anyway, to end off tonight's show, because there's still surprisingly little news for what's about to be a giant election, um, this is from Town Hall. It's specifically, author Karen Gorino: Americans deserve to know what happens if Joe Biden is elected. Um, so, you know what? I think, I think it's only fair I read you guys what she thinks will happen. And, of course, the thumbnail is Biden with noted Trump supporter endorsed Donald Trump, Xi Jinping. But that doesn't matter because we want to have a manufactured war with China. How many of these people you think are going to profit off of it and how many of them do you think are just useful idiots? I'll let you make up your mind. Signs of Joe Biden's mental decline are coming thick and fast. Last week, he forgot who he was running against. Again, his wife, Jill, had to mutter Trump under her breath to get him back on track. Joe Biden has already admitted that he won't seek a second term in office. Oh, no. Which, <laughs> is George Washington mentally fit? He doesn't want a third term as president. Yeah, that's not... Really surprising. I don't really think he wanted to run this time. He's an old guy. He wants to be at home, like, watching NCIS or something, and occasionally getting invited on CNN. Like, I I think that's what he would prefer to live as instead of what he is, which is a major presidential candidate. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, Biden is old. He is really old. He's 78, if I'm not mistaken. He's going to be 79 um, when he's inaugurated. Uh, wh- what do you want him to do? Oh my god, Biden's too old to be president. But also, he should seek two terms if he wins. Just saying, guys. Just saying. What? It doesn't make any sense. Um, but he's going even further than that and allowing himself to be characterized as a tr- transitional candidate heavily hinting that Kamala Harris will have an elevated role in the White House akin to president waiting Citation needed. Given the presupposition decline. The presupposition? What the? I, I've, I've genuinely never seen that word before. Or maybe I have, and I've tripped up on it like 50 times by now. Listen to the archives and find out. Oh, dangerously high or step. What? Or steep, sorry, steep. Okay, dangerously higher steep. So given the dangerously higher steep decline in Biden's faculties, yeah, he occasionally gaffs, despite the fact he's been gaffing for 50 years. That's the thing. They want to portray Biden both as this massive gaff machine. And at the same time, they want him to be, oh my god, this is a brand new thing. He's never gaffed before. No, he gaffs all the time. He's always gaffed. All the time. Okay? As vice president, he gaffed all the time. As a, as a candidate, he gaffed all the time. As senator, he gaffed all the time. And did stupid things all the time. That's just kind of who Joe Biden is. Now, if you don't like that, that's fine. If you would prefer he didn't do that, that's fine. But stop pretending like it's a new thing. Uh, let's see. Voters deserve to know whether voting for him into the highest office in the land will produce something more like a co-presidency in which vice president sits in, sits in on and participates in every major decision. You mean like how the presidency has been for decades? And decades, and decades 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 I, I don't know how else to respond to that. I really don't, I must admit. Uh, I don't know how else to respond to Oh my god, the vice president might have a major role. And I I hate to play this card, I really do, but, like, Biden would have to actually die for Harris to have even a quarter as much say in the decision-making process as someone like Dick Cheney had. Or as Donald Trump nearly gave John Kasich. You guys remember that when he was going to make Kasich his running mate, try to appeal to the moderates? He said, oh, you'll have control over the economy, over foreign policy, or most domestic policy, that you basically said you can have everything. You can basically be the president. I just want to be the guy talking. And Kasich turned it down, in my opinion, uh, rightfully, because Kasich, say what you want about him, is a good person. Okay, so we're we're in, yeah, um, Harris will Doubtless wield more executive power than any vice president in history. Dick Cheney, that is all. uh, Which is entirely new model for governance of America. Joe Biden says we should take him at his words. After all, he's running on character, painting himself in relief to the president as a drama-free, safe pair of hands to rescue voters from alleged chaos and impotent I can't pronounce anything today, and it's this town hall column's fault. Um, the chaos and destruction of the Trump administration. So it's only fair we should listen to what he tells us about how he views the next four years. Okay, how does he tell us? In effect, Biden is admitting that he may not even complete his first term. Where did you get that conclusion? His offer to the country seems to be Albert Store order and sanity and then peacefully transition to someone younger, sharper, and more energetic who better represents the Democratic base. Make no mistake, on Inauguration Day, President Biden will already be figuring out when and how to step down or step aside. Ooh. Until now, a nominee's running mate has never been a determining factor for voters at the polls. So that's that that's just wrong, like, wow, that is actually wrong. And I can give you a perfect example, and then you gave the example of the exact opposite. The choice of VP is normally incidental, even ornamental. Sometimes a choice shores up the candidate's face, as in 2008, when John McCain selected Sarah Palin, Alaska's plain-speaking governor, electrified reagan file Republicans, and she arguably gave Senator John McCain a lift. Uh, but he lost anyway because the country rejected his candidacy. If you think Sarah Palin actually helped John McCain's campaign, you are insane. No, he was an old man, and it looked like he was going to give it to the definition of idiot. That's what Sarah Palin was to most Americans. The definition of idiot. Okay? Seriously, that's, that's what she looked like to basically everyone. I mean, that, that is what she looked like. And I do believe she had a major role in helping McCain lose in a landslide to Barack Obama. I really do. And if you're gonna sit there and say, well, it can it can energize the base, I mean, just look at what Sarah Palin did. Successful running mate, Sarah Palin. Wow, this is awful. If it's erroneous, a VP pick can do damage by casting down the nominee's judgment. Dan Quayle was considered a drag on the 1988 ticket, but Sarah Palin wasn't? Really? really? At least Bush actually won in 88. Because George H.W. Bush was the candidate for Pair One, albeit perhaps with a reduced vote share. But this year is different. Never before in the history of American politics has an electorate made their choice for president based on who would be the vice president. Uh, No, they're basing it on who's not going to be the president, truth be told. It's expecting too much from today's news organizations, reporters, political pundits, and presidential historians to wonder why this new co-presidential paradigm isn't being discussed more critically, because it's not new. Uh, Perhaps it's on purpose, or or perhaps it's not new. After all, the degree of scrutiny to which Kamala Harris has been subjected barely registers next to the frathing outrage about Trump's every underance or the frantic cover-up of Hunter Biden's revolting sexual inscriptions and foreign businesses dealings. If you you only watch network or cable television, you'd know almost nothing about her. CNN ran an hour-long campaign ad for her. You guys remember that? Jesus! This is opposite land. This is opposite land. Like, wow. Voters have a moral obligation to consider this new standard. Joe Biden would have been disqualified for office in every previous national cycle since George Washington on mental fitness alone. Um, ooh, under what condition? We've never had people with poor mental facilities as president. Ronald Reagan had Alzheimer's for a good chunk, of, for at the very least near the end of his second term. He was good at it, you know? He was also about as gaff prone truth be told. Uh, but he just had better comebacks. Uh, now, this, this article is utterly nonsensical. Is it still going on? Jesus! Wow. Wow, people people write things like this. I mean, oh wow, this is this is just boring. You bore me. I'm not even on the page anymore. That's our show. Good night.